And I think this can happen with, with any age group. Um, somebody that you know faces rejection or continued failure, it's so easy to say, I'm I'm done with this. I've tried and tried. Yeah, at some point we have to re-examine and reevaluate. But a lot of times it is a matter of kind of digging deep and finding that internal flame or fire, you know, people call it grit or resilience. And I like to say, when I speak with older adults, I say, look, you know, it might feel like you're out of this. You don't have any uh, fire left, but I, I disagree. As long as we're taking a breath, as long as we're still alive, we still have that, that fire inside of us and we can tap into that, that resilience. And it's unlimited, it's an unlimited reserve. That's the beauty of this. It never goes away. We can, we can say it's gone, it's blocked, it's covered up, but it never goes away. And we can get in touch with it at any time. Welcome to the Be It Till You See It podcast, where we talk about taking messy action, knowing that perfect is boring. I'm Lisa Logan, Pilates instructor and fitness business coach. I've trained thousands of people around the world, and the number one thing I see stopping people from achieving anything is self-doubt. My friends, action brings clarity, and it's the antidote to fear. Each week, my guests will bring bold, executable, intrinsic, and targeted steps that you can use to put yourself first and be it till you see it. It's a practice, not a perfect. Let's get started. Oh, I'm grinning ear to ear. First of all, when we recorded this podcast, our guest was having his actual birthday. So um, how cool is it that we have a podcast where someone wants to spend their birthday with us? And also, I love this person's story so much. So we have Joe Cascini here. He is the host of the podcast Living to 100 Club. Um, I was actually on that podcast and I really loved his question so much that I loved what he's all about. I got to research him a bit more and I was like, we have to have him on. And then I don't know, I'm going to have to have him back because to be completely honest, um, we only hit the surface of like how it is that we can actually be it till we see it. And so he is someone who works with uh, seniors, people, um, some people call them active agers. Uh, he didn't, he called them some, some um, the older population and he's, that's what his career has been about. And so I got to ask him like things that, you know, he's learned from that and how we can learn from that. And we got into like, what is your age and does it matter? And I really hope you listen to this because I know it's so easy. We're always all getting a little older. Like the calendar keeps going. The earth goes around the sun. Anyways, what we need to really understand is that being until you see it is not just actions we take in perfectionist opportunity and like being perfect. It is these little tiny steps and he's going to dive into that for you. And also I really love the reminder at the end and this be it action item. And so I hope you can use this. I referenced a really old episode with Amy Ledeen in this podcast. And so what I love for you to do, if you have time, listen to this one and then go listen to Amy's because I think you're going to be able to see how you can take one of his great suggestions and implement into your life. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. We so love you. And please share the show with a friend, however you like to share it. Of course, like putting on social is amazing. Tagging the beat pod because it lets me know what you loved about the show, but um, it's not about me. It's about you. So if you want to text it, email it, screenshot it, grab someone's phone and like literally download it for them, show them where their podcast app is. All of those things are wonderful. It's what helps us get more and more guests and help you be it till you see it. So here's Joe Cascini. All right, be it babes. Guess what? I'm really excited for this conversation. I've been really excited to have it 
actually since I met this guy, um, he is his own podcast host of Living to 100 and his name is Joe Casciani. And I just really love what he is doing and putting out in this world. And I couldn't help but think like most of what he does and most of his expertise can help us be it till you see it because as adults, there's things that get in our way and we often are the ones that are doing that. So, <laughs> so Joe, welcome to the Viet Pod. Can you tell everyone who you are and what you're up to these days? Sure, Ken. Leslie, thanks so much for this invite. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here and talk with your audience. Yes, I'm a psychologist. I, I've worked with seniors my whole career. Currently, I host the Living to 100 Club, which is all about educating and inspiring people about aging, staying positive, no matter what gets in the way, and looking for resources to help us make better decisions and living longer, getting over those hurdles. So that's what my current professional career is uh, focusing on. Yeah. I think that's amazing because yeah. I think so many people, I don't know, I always grew up with a lot of seniors in my life saying like, people just forget about us. Like once you hit a certain age, like you're over the hill and <laughs> no right. one's making clothes for you. No one's making content for you. Um, how did you find yourself working with this group? And are there things that you see that we all kind of still, are, we do whether we're young or a senior? Yeah, you know, Leslie, I, I started working with seniors right out of the gate. As soon as I got licensed, I took a position on an inpatient Gero psychiatric unit, which is psychiatric unit for seniors. And I was there a few years um, and I learned right away that you can't tell very much by looking at someone who might be sitting in a wheelchair and looks like they're slumped over and completely out of it. But once you scratch below the surface, there's still, anyway, you can't tell by appearances. So, um, and I also learned that you cannot estimate what a person's potential is just by talking with them because sometimes for whatever reason you know um, they don't they don't kind of reveal how well uh, how high functioning they are anyway um, mm. I, I learned a lot and then um, we started a group practice and I was with this group practice for about 15 years and when we contracted with nursing homes we hired psychologists to work with patients who were referred to us. So that's what I what I refer to as my practice management days. I was helping psychologists learn the population and uh, how to work with depressed patients, behavior problems, dementia, how to educate staff. And again, there's, there's so many things about aging. And of course the nursing home population is only like 5% of the total uh, yeah. of that age group. So the other 95%, living independently more or less sometimes they're in assisted living but um i i i when i left the nursing home world i wanted to continue to reach older adults but this time it's more the consumer people that are still living at home and giving resources so i i think there's a lot of a lot of things that we, we you know we still kind of look at many people look at aging as a time for decline and slowing down and becoming dependent eventually and helpless and uh, not just me but there are many people now that are looking at aging from a totally different perspective it's a time of opportunity a time of opening new doors sometimes yeah we do have a setback maybe a loss a divorce confined to wheelchair whatever is going on but looking at new opportunities and stepping out of our comfort zone and really seeing uh, the potential. 
for exciting opportunity. Yeah. So again, it's for, for any age, and if we look at seniors, I like to refer to 55 plus, 65 plus as the older adult population. And um, let's look at these years as uh, from an upside uh, perspective, you know? Yeah. Kind of feeling refreshed about aging, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely, love that that that's the approach yeah. <laughs> because as i as i'm interviewing you i'm like just about six weeks from 40 which when you uh, say 55 i'm like that is i am closer to 55 than i wasn't <laughs> and yeah. like i don't think that that's old or aging or anything like that but i understand that that's where where we where society is like that's the older adult that's a senior um but i want to go back there's a few things you touched on that i think we all could kind of get to and one that is like you can't you can't judge someone by their appearances and what they're, right. what's going on with them. Right. And right. we can't, um, we, we often underestimate people's potential. You can't judge someone's potential just by that moment with them. And I think it's, I think we do it to ourselves when we're younger. I think not only do, is it easy for us to look at someone today and whatever age you are and go, oh, they can't do that, or that's not going to happen for them. But I think sometimes we even do it to ourselves. We we think, oh, I'm, I, it's too late for me. <laughs> it's too late for me to learn that. It's too late for me to do this. Um, where does that, like, how have you seen that? Have you seen somebody be able to change that mindset around that? Or, or have you been able to see like somebody at the age of 80 is learning how to swim? Like what, what have you seen in your, in your practice? Um, yeah, good question, Leslie. It's, to me, it's uh, all about resilience and perseverance and tenacity. And certainly with the population I've seen, it's very easy to feel discouraged. Um, you know, maybe one medical problem after another. And I saw that so many times, some have a fall in the nursing home, you know, have to go to rehab, physical therapy, and they throw their hands up and say, I can't handle this anymore. So um, to my mind, it's like, how do we get over that event? How do we interpret that event as something that's challenging us, we gotta dig deep. And I think this can happen with, with any age group. Um, somebody that you know faces rejection or continued failure, it's so easy to say, I'm, I'm done with this, I've tried and tried. Yeah, at some point we have to re-examine and reevaluate. But a lot of times it is a matter of kind of digging deep and finding that internal flame or fire, you know, people call it grit or resilience. And I like to say, when I speak with older adults, I say, look, you know, it might feel like you're out of this. You don't have any uh, fire left, but I, I disagree. As long as we're taking a breath, as long as we're still alive, we still have that, that fire inside mm -hmm. of us and we can tap into that, that resilience and it's unlimited. It's an unlimited reserve. That's the beauty of this. It never goes away. We can we can say it's gone, it's blocked, it's covered up, but it never goes away. And we can get in touch with it at any time. Okay, so I love this because I think resilience is like the key to everything. Like I I can I can be trying to like be upset about something and trying to quit something and I can feel my resilience fighting back already. And I'm like, yes. I just want to sit in this moment and be upset right now and you're already ready yep. to go. <laughs> but um yeah. Can we teach resilience? I mean, obviously it's something we're all born with, but is it something that are you taught? Like, are we, is that a habit that we pick up as we're, as we're growing up to not be resilient or is that something we can teach people who are older? Can I learn more resilience? <laughs> mm. 
You know, there are people who have more resilience than others. And, you know, the science has identified a lot of those characteristics of resilient people. You know, it's that ability to get up off the mat after we're knocked down. And, you know, not everybody has that. Mm. But I think it is uh, teachable. I think it is something we can all acquire. Um, and again, the resilient people, they're better at decision making. They don't let emotions take over. Now, emotions are to be respected, right? I'm not saying ignore emotions. Um, we have to respect our emotions, maybe feeling a sense of loss or that failure or grief, whatever. We have to experience that, process it. But then it's time to move on. Mm. And the point is, respect the emotions, don't let them control us. Sometimes mm. we stay under control and it gets heavy, we're depressed, and the burden gets very heavy and it's hard to dig out of that. So we have to watch that. We have to watch. Sometimes that depression is very good at, you know, kind of pulling us into that dark hole. It's like a vacuum that sucks us back. We have to watch that because it's, uh, it's very hard to get out of it. So the point is, let's respect the emotion. Let's uh, acknowledge it. Let's recognize it. And then we can continue to to move forward. So resilience is, again, it's um, it's that determination and not not being so quick to say, I'm done. I can't handle any more of this. Mm. But again, there's, you know, yeah. there are exceptions, of course. And I'm not saying, you know, forever and ever, but um, let's not be so quick to give it up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love hearing yeah. that because I think for those people listening who feel like they have friends who are more resilient, that can make a little bit more sense, but also mm -hmm. that we have it in us. And, and I think that there's a difference between feeling your feelings <laughs> and, mm -hmm. um, pushing through and resilience doesn't mean you're just pushing, pushing, pushing. It just means like yeah. you're taking stock, you're evaluating, and then you get to, you get to get, keep going. And I think that that exactly. is really helpful. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's really nice. Yeah. So I, I'm wondering, um, what is there, are there things that we could be looking at? Cause you, I mean, you've been focusing your, your career on, mm. on helping these people and also the living to 100 club podcast. Are there things mm. that we should be considering now when we are younger, before we hit that 55, or even if we're just above that, that we could be doing as a practice to assist us in having a more, not even just resilient adult, older adult life, mm -hmm. but just like a better life in, in that way. Are there things mm. we could be doing now? Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I think um, when we talk about behavior change, that's one of the most difficult things I've found in my career. It's hard to change behavior. And it starts with tiny steps, small turtle steps, right? So let's say we want to lose 10 pounds. Um, we don't set our goal as losing 10 pounds. We set our goal as I'm going to change what I eat tomorrow. And every time we take a small step, it gives us a little bit more motivation, but it also gives us confidence, that feeling of success. So the small steps are really important. Let's, we can have a big goal, but let's not focus on the goal. Let's focus on what I'm doing tomorrow. And a good way to do that, Leslie, is to, you know, we talk about journaling and, you know, kind of make what our day is like. And I always talk about journaling as keeping track of what I did today that was better than yesterday. Mm -hmm. Did I handle the situation better today than I used to? 
Did I do something different today? This is what I want to journal at night. Did I do something different today? Maybe I handled um, a conversation better than the way I used to. And that's what we want to focus on, the positive changes. We can spend time writing down our frustrations and disappointments, but I don't think we learn as much out of that as we do on kind of highlighting, putting the spotlight on what I did today that was better than where I was last week or last year. And that's why um, we're always, people get trapped by comparing themselves to others. So I see so-and-so's making all this progress toward whatever. And I think that's a trap because there are always going to be people who are doing better than us and people who are not doing as well as them. The better comparison is where I am today compared to where I was a month ago. Mm. That's that's how we change behavior. That's how we kind of pat ourselves on the back when we're doing something better than we used to. And say, yeah, I'm doing a better job. And it builds that confidence. Like I said, it builds that self-efficacy. We're more, we're more capable when we can recognize these positives because we can draw on the negatives and the disappointments forever, but let's focus on the positives and that's what keeps us moving forward. So that's what I would say, you know, in terms of um, kind of a daily practice, let's pay attention to that. The other, um, the other thing we talk about, you've heard of affirmations, of course, and affirmations are important. Affirmation is something that kind of describes where I want to be compared to where I am. Like we say to ourselves, I can handle stressful events or I can remain calm in difficult situations. So that affirmation is the gap. We're trying to close the gap between where I am and where I want to be. Mm. So we continue to use these affirmations and that gradually shapes our behavior at any any level, uh, toward any goal, toward any endeavor. It gradually shapes our behavior because it tells us, here's where I want to be. Here's the, here's the gap I want to close. So journaling, affirmations. Um, let me see. I, I made a note of some other. I love these, though, because these, oh, are, good. these are free. <laughs> these are free things. It's not like yeah. I think um, I, I could have totally like felt like you could be like, okay, here are the supplements you should be taking. Here's the trainers you should be hiring. Here are these things. And like, all those things are are great if they make you feel good and they make you, and they're helping you do more of what you love. But, but I, um, your, your way of journaling makes me think a lot about, we had Amy Ledeen on like episode three or five, like way long ago. And she has these DACs or daily agreement cards and uh -huh. they're very specific. And one is like behavior. One is like, health one is she's yes. it's like bang they uh nutrition and one is i don't forget but basically it spells out b-a-g b-a-n-g right so she put them on there and you put your and it's not like i'm going to walk 10 miles a day but it's like one little change and then you make them small enough that they're achievable and then if you do mm -hmm. all four of them in the day the card goes in the wind pile and the True. and the thing that you put down is hopefully is like something just a little bit better than what you were doing yesterday in that thing. Yeah. yeah. Just, just something a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. And so Raise I, bar, raising the bar just a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So that we can actually achieve it. I think, you know, um, I think it's so it's, you mentioned comparison and I think that that is, um, a, a horrible thing 
that we all do. And I'm sure I wonder if we ever age out of that. (laughs) Um, I doubt that. I don't think so. Because my father is, he's 70. He lives in an older, uh, above 55 community. And he definitely compares himself to other people. He's like, I'm one of the youngest people there. <laughs> I'm one of the yeah. I'm one of the most active people yeah. there. <laughs> well, don't don't move to another uh, another setting because you might be the older. Yeah. There, right? yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the trap. Yeah. It works in that place for him. Sure. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. yeah. With um yeah. with the people that you you're working with, what have you what have you seen really helps us like get out of that mindset that we are getting older and we should just hang up our hat. Like what's the, Mm. what's the affirmation or mantra there? Because I I, I feel like my grandfather, he would always just go, I go, how are you doing grandpa? He's like waiting to die. And I'm like, that is the worst thing Uh, anyone can say. Why are you saying that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, just on a personal level, um, I'm the youngest of four kids. Right. And my three siblings have all passed away. Right. So two of them at a very untimely age. Um, and I was talking to a relative, a niece of mine, and I reminded her, you know, I'm the last of the four of us. And she said, oh, you must feel terrible. And I said, no, no, the only survivor. I mean, I, that's independent of who I am and where I'm going. So I don't let that influence me. My point is, um, we are getting older, right? Everybody is aging. They're, we're always going to face some level of physical decline. Some of us will face some cognitive decline, you know, the arthritis, the wrinkles, the gray hair, some difficulty with vision, hearing, senses. But let's not dwell on those negatives. Let's look at the positives because there are as many, if not more, positives. You know, as I talk about aging, I talk about celebrating. Our, our senior years. Let's look at the upside. Let's look at the potential. You know, I I use this exercise and when I talk with large groups and I divide the room into right half and left half and I say, all right, everybody on the right side, you're the pessimist. Put your pessimist hat on and look around the room and find everything that's wrong with it. Maybe scratches on the walls, stains on the carpet. Maybe the fixtures need fixing or whatever. And everybody on the other side, you're the optimist. Put your optimist hat on. And I want you to look and find everything, maybe the sunlight, maybe the, um, you know, the furniture, uh, maybe the colors of the walls, whatever. And I bring them back and we get observations. And I say, look, it's the same room. What are you looking for? If you're looking for what's wrong, you'll find it. If you're looking for what's right, you'll find that too. So that's what I, that's to me the perfect model for uh, a positive outlook about aging. Yeah, there are, there are um, some episodes, some decline, some losses, but let's look at what's good. Let's see what's good about the room. Let's put that optimist hat on and let's see what's still good about the room because, you know, as long as, I said, as long as we we have that ability to be aware of what's going on and make mental decisions, we can stay positive. You know, is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? An eight ounce glass with four ounces of water is half full and half empty. Yeah. You decide. There is a book. I'm forgetting the name of it. Um, But it was a very impactful book for me back in 2012. Mm -hmm. And... Mm -hmm. um, and she had said, it's not about whether you see the glass half full or have half empty. It's whether you see something in the glass. 
Like yeah. it's just yeah. like, do you see that yeah. there is something in this glass that's already mm. <laughs> we're already doing yeah. a really good job then? Yeah, yeah. That Same is, idea. That sure. is a really cool experiment. I think we all could do that in our life. Like you could be going mm. through a really bad thing and you can actually just start to find good things happening at the same time. We yeah. do this in our our coaching group. Um, we have a channel that says, I need a moment. And because, mm. you know, like mm. it's, a, it's a particular type of coaching program where we coach Pilates and fitness instructors. And so you can complain to your family, but they're not going to really understand why that's so annoying that somebody mm. keeps late mm. canceling, even though you're they're like, you're getting paid for the hour. It's like, yeah, but I could have been doing anything else. <laughs> you know, like sure. they don't get, so sure. we have this channel, but the rule is you have to go to the wins channel right afterwards and you have to post something mm. that's going well mm. because mm. it's like negativity can breed negativity. And so we got to cancel that out with a win. And now yeah. some people yeah. just go directly to the wins. Like I was going to complain about this, but here's what's going really yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so I, I love doing that because, um, it is, it is so easy to be in a room and just see what's wrong with it, but we can also see what's right. And we can all be in the same room. What a cool, um, yeah. Yeah, what a cool yeah. challenge you have so we're, them do. We're gonna we're gonna see whatever we're looking for, mm -hmm. right? What we think about, we bring about. You know, we're gonna see whatever we're looking for. Yeah. That is yeah. very, yeah. very yeah. true. Um, we've had yeah. some uh, neurologists yeah. on who said that your brain is predisposed to see sixty, like it's sixty percent at least negative thinking, right, to protect you. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. most of our thoughts are the repetitive thoughts we've had before. And you know, whatever that, what is it that RA, that reticular ref, Yes. Thank you. System. That, that's the word, yeah. um, system. Like we, that's what we're supposed to do. That's what our brain, our brain is doing what it was designed to do. And so we mm. have to really mm. work hard to have it focus yeah. on what we want it to look for, the good stuff we want to see in our day. And that yeah. can be, yeah. it can be really trying. Um, do you, is that is that room thing the way you teach people how to do that, or is or do you have other tools for helping people see like see something good going on in their in their yeah. life, even if yeah. their things are going wrong? Well, you know, I I like to use examples. I, I like to use um, uh, stories, and uh, one of the favorite stories is Steve Jobs, and we all know Steve Jobs, founder of Apple, brilliant genius engineer. Well, Steve Jobs was adopted as an infant. A lot of people know, I've read the bio about him by uh, Walter Isaacson. Good story. So Steve Jobs found out he was adopted when he was about 10 or 11, and he was totally crushed. He said, how could my own parents, my own biological mother give me up? I must be totally worthless. I must have no value as a person. So his adopted parents found out about this thinking of Steve's, and they said, no, 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 Steve, when you were in the hospital, we saw you as an infant. And to us, you were the most valuable person in the world. We couldn't imagine living our lives without you. So what happened? Did the adoptive parents give him any new skills or talents? No, they helped him throw that light switch from being the most worthless to now being the most valuable person, flipping that switch. And that's what we all can do. We can all have that same conversation with ourselves. I can go from I flip that switch and I go from A to B and wow, it's like a new world. It's like a new world. And we can create a new, I call it redefining ourselves. We kind of reinvent ourselves. And that's often I, I talk about starting new chapters. And yeah, maybe we lived 50 years um, as a, you know, a husband and now my wife has passed away. 
And okay, we deal with the grief and we get through that eventually, hopefully. And now I have to start a new chapter and now I'm a single person. So like flipping that switch. I mean, imagine if Steve Jobs never had that conversation with his adoptive parents. You know, no Apple, no I, no iPhone. No, we, we'd all be using Blackberries and you know, <laughs> Palm Pilots. Who knows? But we have that same conversation with ourselves, and that's how we. Again, it's that it's that perception. How do we perceive events? How do we perceive perceive ourselves? How do we define? How do we interpret? You know, I, I somebody you know, seventy years old, trips walking off the curb and sprains his ankle. All right. How are you going to explain that event to yourself? How do you interpret that? Is that like, oh, no, I'm getting older. I'm not going to be able to function. Or am I, you know, just someone who tripped, right? I mean, it, it, again, it's that, that yeah. same explanation. How do we define it? And that's going to color how we cope with it, right? That, that is... interpretation is going to color, influence how well we cope with that event. That is actually really an interesting thing. Like, yeah. am I just someone who yeah. trips? Um, yeah. I, yeah. when I first started teaching Pilates, most of my clients um, were over 60. And so, um, and I was told, like, once people are over 55, they should not do too much flexion because they're already rounding mm. forward. Mm. And, um, and to a young person, I was like, okay, that makes sense. All my clients were over 70. But I was looking at how they were rounded and I was like, well, this is not strong. <laughs> And like they mm. have to, mm. and then I was looking at them like get out of their car, and I'm like, well, that's flexion, and sitting on the toilet's flexion, mm. and like they're doing flexion yeah. all the time. Yeah. Shouldn't I teach them some flexion? Yeah. And so yeah. I started yeah. teaching them flexion and with more length and more strength, and it was so funny because I started to see them with more possibilities mm. because I because I switched that that light switch on, mm. on in my brain. Great. And not that they're doing some of the crazy flexion stuff that someone yeah. who's younger is doing, but that doesn't mean that they can't do it at all. And yeah. um, and I think it's so easy for us to be told or to tell ourselves a story mm. about, oh, if I fit mm. this age, I can't do this anymore. And it was so funny because I had a client who turned 55 while working with me. And I thought, so what? Because mm. yesterday she could do something, but today she can't. Like, <laughs> I was like, that doesn't make yeah, any right, sense. Like, right. that's a, a nice bright mm. line to think about as a teacher to have some contraindications, but also like not let those things like yeah. by what we live by. Yes, you're 70 and yes, you fell. That doesn't mean that you're gotten, you've gotten older and that's yeah. why you tripped. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So we evaluate each person. We cannot assume anything based on their age. And age is only a number. You know, it, it, that's that's the one of the underlying fundamentals here. Age is only a number. Don't, you know, do we, I don't know how much time we have. Can well, I keep tell going. another story? Tell another story. Okay. I love it. Uh, Emil, Emil Rattelbond. Um, he worked in television in Holland, right? He was 69 years old. He was unhappy being 69. So Emil would say, I can't get dates online. People find out how old I am and they don't want to go out with me. I can't drive a sports car. People think I'm too old. I can't get a mortgage for a new house. I want to change my age. I want to be 49. He says, if I'm 49, I can go online and get dates. I can drive whatever car I want. I can get a bank loan. Uh, he said, if people can change their name, they can even change their gender nowadays, I should be able to change my age. So he went to the Dutch courts. This <laughs> is a true story. He went to the Dutch courts, and the Dutch courts said, sorry, Mr. Rottelbond, um, we cannot change your age. 
If we do that, it's going to eliminate 20 years of your records in our system, and we can't do it. However, you are free to feel 49 if you want. You can feel whatever age you want, but we cannot change your chronological age. So to me, age is only a number. And then, um, you know, I had someone on my podcast talk about different ways to define our age. There's um, functional age, there's uh, biological age. Biological age looks at how our body is um, aging maybe in advance of our chronological age or maybe healthier and our psychological age or um, kind of health age. People who think they're younger than their chronological age actually have fewer chronic diseases. Um, they take better care of themselves and more involved in preventive uh, health care. Uh, they do better on tests of memory and cognitive function. So people who actually think they're younger than their CA are actually doing better. So age, let's, let's not get tripped, tripped up. On oh, I love this option so much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's change her. You know, I, the story is uh, this woman called Edith Merway. I heard of her story on NPR last year. She started weightlifting at age 91, professional weightlifting at age 91. And seven years later, she set the Guinness World Record for being the oldest competitive power lifter. She lifted 150 pounds at age 98. And, you know, people ask her, what's the best part about doing this? And she said, you know, it's the applause that I get from the audience. <laughs> Isn't that great? That is so. I mean, there's so many exceptions. There's so many exceptions to that norm of steady decline. Let's, you know, that's why I talk about living to 100. That's that. It's a great goal. It's more than a goal to me. It's it's our mindset. It's our attitude. How do we want to look at getting older, staying positive all the way? Yeah, I um, I I I love that so much because um, most of my friends are much older than me. Not a ton older, but they all hit 40 before me. And I watched them all stress about it, be depressed about it. They're hitting 40. Like, <laughs> and I, and then they hit 40. And then I find out like a year later, like, it's the best thing ever. It's the best day. It's like yes. the best, all this stuff. So anyway, oh. my whole year of 39, I've been like celebrating that 40 is coming. And I'm like, yeah. I don't even feel 40. I'm so excited to finally hit it because apparently everything is great afterwards. <laughs> But but I but I feel you hit 50. I know, I know. I also heard Oprah's loving was loving 60. So I feel like all these things. But what I hear you saying, which I love so much, is one, um, acting as if is always Mm. is a little bit better than uh than just like waiting around and like letting happen. And then um something that you brought up, it's not about like that we're all gonna like the goal of living to a hundred is nice. I I once heard someone say, just because like hitting a goal is not always the option, like the only thing, right? Because when we have a goal in mind and we make steps towards it, it changes how we act as a person. And that's actually the win, right? Like that, uh, us making those changes. It's not like if you, if I hit 97 and I missed a hundred, it's not like I didn't hit my goal. I guess I did and get to a hundred, but I, I, I made myself a different person along the way. And isn't that the whole reason for going for after a goal? Yeah, beautiful. And, you know, psychologists call that process over content. It's the process of doing something rather than just what the goal is. So it's it's the attitude about living longer, whether we do or not. It's not in the cards for everybody, but it's the mindset that I want to keep moving forward. Mm. I want to keep moving forward. 
Oh, this is so great. Joe, you're such a wealth of knowledge. I love your stories. We're going to have to have you back, I think, for sure. Uh, Um, We're going to take a brief pause, find out how people can find you, hear more ways that they can live to 100. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should at least be simple. That's why for the past three years, we've been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed with water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel totally energized and it makes me feel like I'm doing something healthy for myself. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. Yeah. And you're probably wondering like, how can you actually do it? No exceptions. I know you guys travel all the time. You've got a lot going on. You're running three businesses. Here's the deal. It's because it's that simple. So when we're at home, after I walk by own and sometimes August, cause sometimes he comes, I open up the fridge. I pull out the dog's wet food and the AG one. I pour my AG one. And if Brad's up, I'll pour his too. And then I give the dogs their food and we have this morning breakfast with all of our nourishing vitamins, minerals that we need to kickstart our day together as a family. But when we're traveling, What I love so much is these travel packs and they make it so easy to make sure that especially on the road when it's the hardest to get nutrition needs met, like it is impossible. I'm constantly like, is there a salad? Is there a bowl? Like, can I add more veggies to this Thai food? But I know because I have AJ1 in the morning, I am set to go. And it really does make us feel like we're doing things that are healthy for ourselves even when we hit the road. So you cannot make a mistake with AG1. It makes it really easy no matter how busy your life is or maybe your life is simple and you're gonna add something extra simple to it. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1. And that's why we've partnered with them for so long. So if you wanna take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash be it. That's drinkag1.com slash B-E-I-T. Check it out. All right, Joe, where do you hang out? Where do where do people listen to your podcast? How can they get more information? Yeah, my website, living200.club, C-L-U-B, not .com or .org, but .club. So my company is Living 200 Club. I'm the podcast host. I do public speaking. I do monthly newsletters and a lot of information. I do some clinical consulting. And I also do one-on-one counseling coaching with individuals who maybe have, you know, have some bumps, uh, you know, on their journey and are looking for solutions. Um, I, I love to do, I love to talk about successful aging. So that's what this is all about. If people want to go to my podcast, you can subscribe now and be a subscriber. Um, if you go to, let me make sure the new link, living to 100 club dot supercast s-u-p-e-r-c-a-s-t dot com so living to 100 club dot supercast dot com that's to become a subscriber of monthly fee or an annual fee but you'll give our podcast every month this week i've got a, an md coming on who's talking about regenerative medicine a brilliant uh, physician but getting away from traditional medicine and looking at the new opportunities for regenerative medicine anyway great content. And, um, you know, I'd love to, people can give me a call. My email address is jc at living2100.club, jc at living2100.club, or you can give me a call at 858-272-3992. Take your calls. We can set up a Zoom meeting. I can 
you know, see if there's any way I can offer some assistance. So I love yeah, it. Happy to be available. You yeah. are, you are amazing. And I hope people take advantage yeah. of um, learning from you. So many things, but bold, executable, intrinsic or targeted steps people can do to be it till they yeah. see it. What do you have for us? Yeah. You know, I, I love it. There's a term called cognitive embodiment. We, we see ourselves as what we want to become, right? We, uh, there's someone who was on my program last year. He looked at weight loss. He's an expert in uh, binge eating. And he said, think of yourself as a permanently thin person. So when you define yourself as a permanently thin person, that's going to affect all of your decisions, all of your approaches to eating, and it's going to make you kind of enable you to make the better choices. So what we think about, we bring about, we hold on to that new definition of ourselves, and that's, that's going to influence how we go through the world. And, you know, I had someone on my, um, it was a, a presentation I was giving and this older gentleman, you know, he said, I hear a lot about these golden years, golden years. Everybody talks about golden years. And, um, I haven't seen any golden years. Where are these golden years? So I thought about it for a second. He was trying to hook me. I think he almost got me. And I said, look, you, you have to become the golden years. You cannot wait till somebody knocks on your door and says, here I am. You have to embody whatever you think the golden years are. And you have to take that role on yourself. And that's going to influence your, your moving forward. And you create that mindset that I am in my golden years and all of your decisions will follow from it. So we can't wait for people to knock on the doors. We have to take that initiative and keep, keep getting out there. And you know, new outlooks. So that's where I am. Yeah. Oh, cognitive embodiment. I love this. I mean, of course yeah. I'd love this. This would be it till you see yeah. it all the way. Yeah. <laughs> but I love when yeah. there's science behind it. It's yeah. not just yeah. a motto. Yeah. Um, mm. uh, Joe, thank you for that. I think mm. um, we all can take a moment today and like think about who we want to be and I'll start saying yeah. it. And it's, it's yeah. kind of like if a company has values, everyone, they put everything that they decide to do through those values. So it's the yeah. same thing. Whatever you're saying, like, I am this, I am this person, this is who I am, then the decisions you make will filter through that. Would that person do that? No. Yeah. I mean, so it just makes it more easily accessible and tangible. Yeah. It's a mental construct and we can reconstruct our, our image all, anytime. We redefine ourselves. We, yeah, we go from one place to another place. And sometimes it's a positive and sometimes it's not. But we're always opportunities and new doors to open. Leslie, this has been great fun. Joe, thank you great so fun. much for being yeah. here. Everyone, how are you going to yeah. use these tips in your life? Let us know. Make sure you tag the beat pod. Uh, email them to Joe at Living to 100 Club. All those links are going to be below. So it'll be really easy for you to click them, access them. And until next time, be it till you see it. That's all I got for this episode of the Be It Till You See It podcast. 
one thing that would help both myself and future listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a review and follow or subscribe for free wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, make sure to introduce yourself over at the Be It Pod on Instagram. I would love to know more about you. Share this episode with whoever you think needs to hear it. Help us and others be it till you see it. Have an awesome day. The Atelier Seat is a production of Bloom Podcast Network. It's written, produced, filmed, and recorded by your host, Leslie Logan, and me, Brad Crowell. Our associate producer is Amanda Fratarelli. Kevin Perez at Desenio handles all of our audio editing. Our theme music is by Ali at Apex Production Music, and our branding by designer and artist Gianfranco Cioffi. Special thanks to our designer, Mesh Herico, for creating all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast. And our digital producer, Jay Pedroso, for editing all the video each week so you can. And to Angelina Herico for transcribing each episode so you can find it on our website. And finally, to Meredith Kroll for keeping us all on point and on time. Hey loves, it's me, Leslie, and I am excited to talk about socks because we need to talk about socks all the time because I love being barefoot. I am not a fan of shoes. You'll rarely see me in shoes. Even when I have people at my house and they're in shoes, I am barefoot or I'm in my toe socks and Tavi Active socks. And the reason is that I've got tile floors and um, they're not so nice to my feet. So I do love a cute sock. And I also only use their socks when I am doing Pilates. I love that they have an amazing sticky gripness to them. It also, when I'm teaching in other people's studios, having those socks on keeps me from slipping around in a studio and really allows me to root where I'm planted. Plus they're freaking cute. Have you seen toe socks and Tavi's socks? I mean, my goodness, they are the cutest styles all the time. The Barbie socks, I can't get enough of. I think I need to buy three pairs. So here's the deal. I want you to get yourself a pair of toe socks or Tavi Active socks, and you can go to beapod.com slash toe socks. That's going to take you over to toe socks. Feel free to explore a Tavi and you can use my discount code, Leslie, that's L-E-S-L-E-Y to make sure you save some money on your socks because the reality is, is you should just get the most amazing cutest socks and also save some money because you listen to this podcast. So make sure you check those out the next time you are looking for some socks to wear in Pilates, yoga, bar, or around your house like I do.